Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well, and that was a hearty good morning. I'm so impressed you guys are awake. Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here, uh, and uh, I, this is my first Sunday back after a month off, um, and uh, my, thank you, thank you. Were you clapping for the time off or the I'm back? I'm not really sure about that, but hey, uh, I'm really glad that you're here this morning. It, um, I haven't been here for a while. I just wanted to take a moment um, to talk a little bit about where I've been and um, just uh, kind of what God is, has been doing uh, in me uh, these last few weeks. Uh, I took a planned sabbatical. I, I put planned in there just so you don't think like, oh man, something happened there. Uh, so he, uh, you know, back in, I think it was about, Probably February or March, um, I realized how incredibly tired I was, and um, I, I realized it was time for me to just to take some extended time off, and I uh, decided to do that this year. I've never done that before, never taken you know, four weeks off, really never taken more than about 10 days off in a row. And we went into the summer, and at the beginning of the summer, I went to kids camp with Leslie and our kids, which was just awesome for me. Probably not the kids, but that's a whole nother story. Anyway, it was awesome, Camp Kid Jam. It was great. And then uh, a few weeks after that, I went on a missions trip. Who is my Belize team here. Some of my Belize team are here. I know I saw them. You guys rock. Miss you guys so much. It was a great trip, amazing trip. One of the best missions trips I've been on. Great team. And I remember getting back, uh, and I, I remember thinking um, that I've kind of been, before Justin uh, Boyder got here as our new youth pastor, for the last year I've been a youth pastor. All right. Yeah, Justin, you got a fan over here, man. Here's one. All right, so uh, anyway, I've been, uh, for the last year, I've been a youth pastor, uh, been uh, working on All In, raising money for the purchase of Building B and to pay this debt off and to do a couple other things, and uh, went on a mission trip, went to Camp Kid Jam, and I remember coming back from Belize going, I so need this. I'm so glad that I planned it. And I'm very thankful that I got some time off and uh, had some good friends who kind of coached me through what a sabbatical should be. And they told me to lean into the rest. And I'm really thankful that I did that. Took uh, about two weeks just to rest by myself. And I'm very thankful for some good friends here who gave me a place to do that and uh, um, just really got some rest um, I call it the re-sabbatical because it was rest, it was reconnection with the Lord, uh, renewing of my spirit and my mind and my body, um, and also really reestablishing what God has called me to do and what God has called us as a church to do. And I'm excited about what I believe um, is going to be a great next season in the life of our church. Um, I, I really want to thank you, though, for giving me some time away. And I might be a little bit rusty this morning, um, but I'm really thankful that I'm refreshed and renewed and ready to go, and I hope you are today as well. But I want to tell you that there's one person I need to thank. She's not here this morning. She's taking some time off herself this weekend, and that's Cynthia Cullen, who happens to be my wife, but is also our programming and operations director. And I remember the first week I was gone this summer at Camp Kid Jam, she called me, and she said, I walked into the building this morning, and every light, every sign, every exit sign, the whole place has gone crazy. And I'm like, this is the way this summer's going to go, right? This is the first week of June. I'm like, this is the way it's going to go. And uh, there was some kind of grid electrical issue in this area that caused a thousand things to go bad. It caused our air conditioner that's about 30 years old to go down, which used to be over here. Um, I, we have air today. Our, our new air conditioner got installed over the last few weeks. 
Praise the Lord, isn't that great? Yeah, some of you liked it. I liked it when it was warmer. Well, you're not up here, so anyway. Uh, but uh, and you're not in the second service either, which gets really, really hot uh, if we don't have air. And so I'm very thankful that we got that installed. But um, Cynthia and Scott Mackay um, led the way on getting that done. And I got to tell you, that's a big deal to, to walk through all those processes um, we're in negotiations with Hargrave. She's been working with our stewardship team on that, with uh, our all-in team and with our elders on that. And so I just want to take a moment in the midst of all of this time when I'm just like, yeah, I'm just resting, Cynthia. She's here working, and she's keeping everything going, and our staff is amazing. And um, I just want to thank Scott and Cynthia for really running point on all of those things that needed to take place. Um, uh, there were, we had flooding because we've had a little bit of rain this summer, haven't we? And so there was flooding in backstage. We had to completely redo our patio. Fortunately, the flooding has stopped. We got air conditioning. The flooding has stopped. We got air conditioning. I decided I'm coming back from sabbatical. Now that all those things are done, I'm back, and I'm glad to be back. But I wanted to thank Scott, and I wanted to thank Cynthia, even though she's not here, for all the work they did. And, of course, the rest of our staff, uh, Chris and uh, Kelly uh, and Justin, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few others, uh, and Leslie, my goodness, does such a great job in our kids' ministry back there. And so very thankful for the staff that we have and our new member, James. We're really glad that you're on staff here today. Uh, these past few weeks, I've been keeping in touch with what's been going on in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church through WebStream. I want to encourage you, if you miss a Sunday or if you miss four or five like I did, go back and listen online. You can go back and listen to past messages and keep in tune with what's going on in the life of our church. And there's a lot going on in the life of our church, so please want to encourage you to stay in touch. We're in this series uh, called AKA God. Uh, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I have memory burn. You ever have memory burn? You got memory burn sometimes? Yep. Have something that kind of sticks in your mind. I, I remember in college, we had a guy on our dorm at Liberty, um, and his name was Seth. And Seth was one of these guys that would do anything that he's challenged to do, which is a really, really strong, good characteristic and a really scary thing sometimes, right? Like if he ever got, you know, if there was ever a bet or ever a deal or like, you know, hey, you know, you know, someone needs to do this or whatever, Seth would do it. And so because he was the guy to do this, all kind of college pranks always centered around him. He was the centerpiece of any time our dorm got in trouble, which it did a few times. I was not a part of it much. Um, and so like, we, you know, he, he was always the centerpiece. Any shenanigans that were going on in the life of Dorm 7, Seth was the guy. And so in my mind, every time I hear the name Seth, what do I think of? I think of Seth from Liberty Dorm 7. And, and it's really bad because I have this memory burn that I sometimes apply to every Seth I meet. Sorry if your name's Seth in here. Sorry. All right. I'll try to do better. Um, and I believe that sometimes we have memory burn when it comes to God. We have this idea in our mind of who God is and what he does based on something that's happened in our past. And so far in this series, you've heard from Jerry McCarron, you've heard from uh, Clint Trebesh, and you've heard from Justin Boyder that God is faithful that God is almighty and is a great provider, and that God is our Father. 
And even when you think about those terms and those titles and those other names for God that we find in Scripture, sometimes we have a tendency to kind of have that memory burn. We go back to that thing that we know it might be painful in nature, it might be negative in nature, it might be something that is is hurtful in nature, and therefore, listen, I don't want you to miss this, therefore our view of God is skewed and is incorrect because of maybe what is in our mind in the past. And because of that, we have an incorrect understanding of who God is and what he's done. This summer, as I mentioned, we went to Belize, and Belize happens to be a country that is a commonwealth of the United Kingdom. And on the Belize dollar, this is a Belize dollar right here. Some of you are like, that's not a dollar, it's a quarter. Nope, this is a Belize dollar. And on this Belize dollar, it has a picture of who? Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth II. It even has her name inscribed on it. Queen Elizabeth II. And inscribed on many countries, I think about 53 around the world that used to be part of the, uh, the British colonies around the world now are, are, are considered commonwealth countries that um, have certain relationships with England that they, they uh, you know, like in Belize, they have the English uh, army and the English military helps Belize if something were ever to happen. It's a country that used to be called British Honduras. And so in Belize, they have this relationship with um, Britain that basically says that the queen is still sovereign. And while they have their own government and they have their own economy, the queen is still sovereign. And I wonder how many people around the world, because of their past experience with a king or with a queen, with a sovereign, have this idea that's negative in nature It's kind of covered with memory burn of what a king is like. Because if you've studied history, you know that there were some kings that oppressed their subjects. And here we are in the church and we sing songs like we just sang, giving praise to God because he is the king. And so what does that mean? As Justin mentioned last week, what are the implications for us as Christ followers and even those of you who are here today and and you haven't made that decision to become a Christ follower yet, what does it mean that Jesus is king? What does it mean that God is king? Why do we stop and praise him for something that for so long has represented oppression? that has represented something that really is, in many cases, led to suffering. Well, the Bible is clear that he is king, that God is our king, and we can worship him that way. David recognized God as king. This line was mentioned in the very first song that we sang. It's from Psalm 10, 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. Isaiah made much of God being king. If you read through Isaiah, you'll see this Isaiah 6, 1, and I'll read through about verse 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah writes, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, 
He covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of its glory. And if you skip down to verse 5, he says this, And I said, Woe is me, for I'm lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah clearly recognized God as King. The nation of Israel had an interesting history with the idea of a monarchy. And some of you know a little bit of the history of the Jewish people, the, Jew, the nation of Israel, that they rejected essentially God's way and they asked for a king. And after asking enough for a king, God gave them a king. And most of their kings were evil, oppressive, and caused suffering and caused Israel to be terribly unfaithful to God didn't work out very well for them, did it? And so we see uh, that Israel ended up with a nation that was split, it was divided, but kingship was important in the ancient Jewish culture and tradition. Elmer Towns, who um, wrote a book called The Names of God and has written several books um, about the names of God, said this, kingship had a twofold significance in Israel. First, the king was functional. That is, he provided legislative, judicial, and executive services for the people. Secondly, the king was symbolic. That is, he was God's representative on earth. As such, the king took the place of God for the people. It's called the ritual kingship or divine kingship. And so we see that all throughout scripture, we have God being called our king. What in the world does that mean to us today? What does that mean to us in 2018 when our view of the king or the monarchy, based on our either experience or our understanding of history, may not be that great? Even though the monarchy was established to help take care of its subjects, in most cases, they just oppressed them. What does it mean? Well, I want to give you a few big ideas today and then end with a bottom line and a question this morning. I think the first thing that we can understand is, is that um, God is, as Justin talked about last week, our intimate father, but he is also our king. He is our intimate father. Listen, I want you to grasp this, because this, this is a little bit difficult for us to understand in our finite minds, but he is both our father and he is our king. We find this in one of the most familiar passages of Scripture in Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray like this then. He says, our, what is it? Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the very next verse in Matthew 6, 10, we see this as Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He says, pray your, what? Kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, he can be, and he is both our intimate father and our reigning king. In fact, if you begin to study the Old Testament even more, you'll find out that those two titles for God became interchangeable. Isn't that incredible to think about that? 
that the, the title of king and the title of father became interchangeable. Dads, don't take that too far this afternoon, okay? I am king of this house. You will do what I say. You only get to do that one day a year, okay? It's on Father's Day, and that's long behind us, all right? They became interchangeable. You see, the, the, the people who were close to God understood that essentially those two titles, those two names of God, essentially meant the same thing. Here's why. Because God's monarchy, God's royalty, God's kingship is based on the fact that he loves us and he has a plan for us. He's father. Us. And because he's Father King, his relationship with us may be so different than what we have in our minds of a king and his subjects. So, first and foremost, God is our intimate Father, but also our King. Secondly, God is King and He is sovereign in our lives. That word sovereignty comes with much debate, much misunderstanding about what it really means. It comes with maybe an idea that we don't like, like that whole idea of sovereignty. Some of you may be going, I don't even know exactly what that means. Essentially what it means is rules or reigns, as we sang, or controls. Let's use that word this morning. He's our intimate father, but he's also our king, and thus... He has control over our lives. And the question is, is, or does he? Or does he? You see, God's intent is, is that he does have control over our lives. I don't know about you, I don't like that word control. I don't like that word control. I don't like that word control unless what? I'm in it. Am I right? Like we don't like that word control when it's applied to someone else in our lives. And so you may be here today and you're like, I don't even like what you're saying about God right now because that implies that someone else has control over my life and not me exactly. The benevolent, good, loving King Daddy intends to have control of our lives. But here's the catch. If we allow him to. Because in as much as he is king, he also has given us and bestowed upon us this idea of free will and a choice in our lives. And thus rises the debate <laughs> between what rules, what reigns, what wins our free will or God's sovereignty. You see, I think if we can understand the benevolence of the king, we can understand that control of our lives by God, the good and loving daddy, is a very good thing for us. It's a very, very good thing for us. An earthly king controls in order to suppress his subjects. The heavenly king controls in order to support his subjects. An earthly king controls in order to bring himself glory. The heavenly king controls in order to guide us to grace. The earthly king controls in order to fulfill rules and laws and, 
etiquette and the heavenly king controls in order to identify with us, relate to us, and love, love us. See, when we choose to control our own lives instead of submission to God's control in our lives, the result is spiritual frustration. And I know that there's more than one person who walked into this place today and you're like, my life is one giant, big, huge frustration. In fact, Todd, when you talk about control, I feel like I don't control anything. And that is exactly why I'm frustrated. Well, maybe for you, and maybe for me, what that means is releasing control to the one who is intended to control and guide us. The benevolent daddy king. Spurgeon said this, there is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions. That sovereignty overrules them and that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which the children ought to more earnestly contend to than, to than, than the doctrine of their master over all creation, the kingship of God over all the works of his own hand, the throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne for it is God upon the throne whom we trust. And so God is our intimate father. He is also king, thirdly, and he also has control. He, he intends to have control over our lives. Thirdly, God is the king, and he is worthy of our worship. And that's partly what we just did by worshiping together publicly, gathering together and giving public praise to God because he is king, but it is also worship in our lives and how we live our lives. John 4, 23 says this, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Spirit worship is based on everything that we are, our mind, our emotion, and our will. Truth worship is based on the revelation of God from his word. And I want to tell you something today. For those of you who are Christ followers, if you want to truly worship God, one of the best ways to do that is to go to his word and find the truth from his word. You're not going to find truth anywhere else in the world other than from God's revelation to you through his Holy Spirit, through his creation, through other people, and through his word. And I wonder as Christians in our modern day if we've forgotten about the truth of his word and how much our worship of him is connected to understanding and knowing that truth and doing it here and doing it in groups, but doing it individually by ourselves on a regular basis. So God is king, and he's worthy of our worship. And then finally, God is king, and he offers to adopt us into his royal kingdom through new birth. He's king and he offers to adopt us into his royal kingdom through new birth. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. His disciples were asking him, what is it going to take to be in the kingdom of God? 
That's like me going over to the UK and going um, to the Queen's door, which I'd probably be arrested if I did that, but knocking on the door and saying, hey, how can I get in your family? That'd be nice, by the way, wouldn't it? In some ways. Some ways, probably not. (laughs) But he's a good king father who, listen, I want you to hear this, offers to bring us in to his royal family. Isn't that incredible? Like he makes the offer for all mankind. No one is beyond the reach of the great benevolent king daddy. The Bible says all we have to do to enter into his kingdom as his adopted children is to receive him as our Savior, is to believe, is to to trust in him as our Savior. And so the idea of God being king, God also known as king, has great implications for us, not the least of which is that he offers salvation to those who believe. Think about it. A king is the least likely person and holds the least likely required position to extend grace to his subjects. And I think what that does is makes God's humble act of salvation even that more remarkable and that more valuable. But here's the bottom line is that it doesn't matter about the debate between God's will for humanity versus God's sovereignty for humanity. It doesn't matter if we talk about that. We can talk about that till the cows come home. Those kind of debates go on all the time in great institutions around our world. It goes on all the time in great churches around the world. The problem is, is that we see it from such a large picture. We see the 40 and 50,000 foot view, but we never ask the question, is God king in my life? Because that's the real question that is begged of God being king. That's the question that you and I need to wrestle with. And it also begs the question, is there something else or someone else who may be king right now in my life? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a pursuit. Maybe it's a person or a people. Or perhaps it's money or perhaps it's a career, or parents, it's easy to make our kids king of our lives. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a business decision. Maybe it's a struggle that you've had. Maybe it's defeat that you've suffered in your life. And you've walked in here today, and you are completely frustrated. You feel like all you do is fight and wrestle with life to not be frustrated and irritated with the way things are going. And maybe today's your day, whether you're a Christ follower or not, just to say, you know what? It's time for me to give over control to the one who is king. And for some of you who walked in here today, maybe that means salvation. Maybe it means 
for the first time in your life, you give over your eternity to the king who died, the redeemer king that we just sang about. Or maybe for you as a Christ follower, a very mature Christian in your mind, you're just frustrated with life. And maybe the reason you're frustrated is you haven't fully given over control to the one who loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you, the benevolent king, daddy. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with everyone who's in here today. God, I pray for those who walked in here today and they're not even sure why they're here. They were brought by a friend or they just found themselves for some reason at this place on this day. And this whole idea of you controlling their lives is honestly a little bit scary. It's honestly a little bit overwhelming. It doesn't really feel that great, but if they were honest and they looked at their lives, they have no control anyway. And maybe today their step is to accept you as their savior. To say yes to you, Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And today, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never given over control of eternity and for your future, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now and make that absolutely secure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today, that you would be immediately with the king in heaven. The Bible says all we have to do is confess our sins and to accept him as our savior, to put our trust in him, to believe in him, to receive him into our lives. And if you're here today and you've never made that step towards God being king in your life to become saved, to have him be, take that place of whatever it is that currently is on the throne of your life that you believe in, would you be willing to say yes to Jesus today? It is the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life now and for eternity. And if you're here today and you want to put your faith in Jesus, you want to say, hey, yes, I believe in Jesus. I want to invite you to pray this prayer, just you and God doing business right now, just in the quietness of this room. You can pray this prayer that I'm going to pray out loud. God, thank you for bringing me here today. And right now, I am choosing to make you my king by receiving you as my savior. I know that I'm a sinner and I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And so I accept you, Jesus, as my savior. If you prayed that prayer with me just in the quietness of this room with no one looking around, um, would you just look up at me and just raise your hand. I, I won't embarrass you, I promise. I just want to pray for you. If you just raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else this morning? Awesome, awesome. God, I thank you for these who have said yes to you, God. You can put your hands down. God, I thank you so much for these who have said yes to you for salvation today, God. And I pray that you would help 
anchor them to your word. God, I pray that you would help anchor them to a church. God, I pray that you would help um, God continue their journey of making you king in their lives. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to fill out the bottom part of that worship folder and let us know of your decision to receive Jesus as your Savior today. And if you're here today and you made that decision a week ago or a month ago or years ago or decades ago, but you're still struggling and you're still frustrated and you walked in today and you're like, you know what, Todd? You're right. He is not king of my life. I want to ask you this question today. If he's not on the throne of your life, something or someone else is. Are you willing to put that aside? Whatever it might be, whether it's some kind of belief that you've gotten wrapped into, whether it's someone in your life that has taken over control or something that's taken over, over control, some kind of sin, some kind of failure, some kind of emotion, some kind of pursuit that you know is on the throne of your life, would you be willing to put that down and to replace it once again with King Daddy? the one who loves you and has a plan for your life. If you're here today and you would just be honest and say, yeah, I need help with this. I've got some things that I need to lay at his feet. If you would just raise your hand, I wanna pray for you as well this morning. Just raise your hand for a moment. I just wanna pray for you. Father, I pray for these hands that are raised all over this place, God. I pray for those who are here today and maybe their hand's not up, but they're struggling with this. They walked in frustrated today and they're like, you know what? I've got to change my life because I'm not in control of it right now. God, I pray that you would help them to rid themselves of whatever it is that's on the throne of their life right now and replace it with you, the King who loved us enough to send his son, your son, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Father, I pray that they would walk in a new grace, in a new mercy today. God, that they would have their faith reignited and God, that they would pursue you and that they would be able to, with their hands and with their lives, raise them up to you and proclaim you as king. We thank you so much for the gift of grace and the gift of salvation that you gave on the cross. Thank you, Daddy, for doing that. Thank you, King, for doing that. We praise you right now because you are in charge and you are king. And I pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.